Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you, you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free, and we'd love to have you. All right, everybody. Happy New Year. Shana Tova. Um, I hope you finished this season strong. Um, we certainly did at Icar. It was a good, it was a good holiday. Yeah, thank God it was a good holiday. Um, and I hope some I as I know some of you were there. I saw some of you there. Um, yeah. Uh I think it's a smaller group today, which makes sense. We're all just just, just picking our heads up. I certainly am and um you know i uh you, you might ask uh, how could i possibly be prepared for this class and that is a good question we'll we'll see um but uh, uh but i i it is really important to me that we do this class um because this is the last parsha not in the torah but but in the cycle of reading um, that we do throughout the year, Parshat Hazinu. And that's because the last Parsha, Parshat Vezota Bracha, is read on, um, on the holiday, on the holiday, on Simchat Torah, and as we prepare to start reading the, the, um, the beginning of the Torah again. And that's, that's feels, so it feels especially important to gather together for Parshat Hazinu um, here, this last, you know, Shabbat that where a, partic a particular portion of the Torah, Parsha, will be read, because this is like, this is the, this is the rhythm. This is the rhythm of, of, certainly of my life. This is one of the great rhythms of, of our tradition, and it's, and it's a rhythm. Um, I, I just, I, 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 I so encourage you to take up and to um, start once again um, in, in a couple of weeks at, at Bereshit. We've been together all year, every week studying this. We've taken some breaks, we've had some holidays, but mostly every Thursday we're here and we're in the, the story of the week and we're together talking in the story of the week so that we share, we're living in the same story together. It's really, uh, it's really like, a, it's, a, it's an incredible spiritual practice. Um, and, I, and I recommend it. And, um, and so here we are, um, at the end of the Torah, and I guess because of the holidays, I have been feeling um, my that my relationship to the Torah these last weeks is um, it's there, we've been doing a lot of poetry 
and sort of poetic reading. And I think that's because right now we're, we've been training ourselves to, to look at things very, very carefully and to scrutinize and to take things very seriously. And so that, that I think draws, in my experience anyways, that draws me into close, close reading. So, uh, so a couple of weeks ago we did um, the word Nitzavim. We just spent our whole time thinking about what it means to stand in that, in that particular um, phrasing. And then last week we looked at the, at the, the, the word for poetry and how, or song, Shira, and how that's used again and again at the end of the Torah to describe what's to describe the Torah uh, 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 itself or or to describe what's coming next. There was a debate we looked at last week and what's coming next is is now in front of us. Parshat Hazinu is an entire Parsha, almost entire, a little few lines at the end, but an entire Parsha in verse. That's this week's Parsha, an entire Parsha in verse. It's a poem. It's the other great poem of the Torah, um, the first one being uh, the first one being uh, uh, Shiratayam, the song Song of the Sea, which is written in verse in that way, and and Moshe exclaims and gives forth Azia Shir Moshe. And here, this is also Moses telling us, um, "Listen to me, listen." Listen, so Moshe, among other things in our tradition, is a poet, is a poet. That's the way he expresses himself, which is inc an incredible thing because he, he's, he's I'm not, a, I'm not a public speaker, right? And then of course he becomes the great speaker, but also, you know, you, let's think about that. And what does it mean that a, a man whose tongue is heavy would prefer to speak in verse, in poetry, okay? Okay, so that's one thing to take account of. Now, Parshat Hazinu, or the poem Hazinu, oh, what a beautiful thing that the Torah ends on a poem until you start to read the poem. And it's, um, it's you know, Moshe, another, another fascinating thing about Moshe, gotta be the most fascinating character in all of literature, is that, um, He's so grumpy, <laughs> and he spends most of 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 uh, of Parshat Hazinu just just telling us that we're wretched and 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 terrible and miserable and never do any good and won't ever do any good. Just rebels, rebels, disappointing God from the start. That's like basically the message of of the poem Hazinu. It's like first, I mean, it's a bummer. It's also it's so fascinating again, though. It's such a different leadership style that Moshe has as our ultimate leader than anything anyone would be trained to do today. So like, you know, like, ah, you people, you people. Anyway, so that's, that's interesting too. Um, and, and interesting, problematic, and, and there's a lot of it to deal with. We're, we're actually not going to touch on that today. What we're going to look at today is the opening of Parshat Hazinu and, and a certain kind of um, in the in in, in the in the in the in the spirit of reading poetry, we're going to try to like identify a theme that the that that is being um, written in, threaded through, that is not explicit but is there and clearly there. And first, we're going to excavate the theme that that Parshat Hazino opens with, and then we're going to think about 
why that theme, why that theme, and it'll become pretty clear, I think, pretty quickly. So let's get started. Let's get finished <laughs> um, with our cycle through the Torah. Uh, and, you know, these last, I want to say one other thing, which is these last uh, weeks, uh, these last two weeks, uh, we haven't released, we've been releasing a podcast also all year, a 10 minute version of this best book ever. And um, these last weeks, just with everything that's going on, um, uh, we haven't had time to produce a, a, a separate podcast, but um, but we've still done the classes and the classes are also released on the podcast. And I, so I just want to, I want to, I want to um, teach this class and have this discussion with the intention that it's also um, the end of, of the cycle that we've been going through um, on, uh, on, on downloadable files, right? Where we are been giving Torah for your ears um, that you can use to prep for the, for the, for the Parsha that week. So coming to the close of this cycle and very grateful to have been on this journey with you. Okay, let's, let's say a blessing and, 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 and end our journey, so to speak, so to speak. Okay, so let's get into it. Parshat Hazinu. It be, it, it's. I said the 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 um the, the main content is a bit of a a drag, but um so to speak. Um, but uh, but the opening is glorious. The opening is incredibly beautiful poetry. We're gonna look at some of the the most gorgeous poetry that our, that, our, that our Tanakh has to offer. So here's a source sheet, and let's get started just by looking at the opening lines of Parshat Hazina. Here we go. Okay, let's see here. Okay, here we are. Okay. okay. Give ear, heavens, let me speak. Hazinu hashamayim vadabera, let the earth hear the words I utter. haaretz imrefi, may my discourse come down as the rain. Yarov kamatar likhi, my speech distill as the dew. Tizal katal imrasi, like showers on young growth. Kasirim ale deshe, like droplets on the grass. Kir vivim Okay, so that's the opening. Give your give your heavens. Let me speak. And you know, if you if we we've, we've studied poetry together in this class, I also had a poetry class at Ikar um, last year. If we've studied poetry together, the first thing that we have taken account of is the way that Hebrew poetry um, usually works in these couplets. Okay. Uh, that is, uh, most lines have a have an A and a B, and they're essentially saying the same thing, but in different ways. So give ear um, and hear. Um, heavens, uh, earth. So they're similar things, but they contrast. And the different words that are used are, you know, to signal two different approaches to the same idea. And that's, that's kind of the way um, uh, biblical poetry most often works. And, uh, and so... So that's, you'll, you'll notice that pattern throughout. So again, may my discourse come down as the rain, may my speech distill as the dew. Rain, dew, uh, speech, discourse, come down, distill, like showers on young grass, like droplets on the grass. Okay, now, but that's not our focus today, the couplets. Our focus today is just, is let's, let's just 
um, try to pay attention to um, poetic references. That is to say, what images are being suggested to us here? What images are being evoked for us here? Because um, we know that, um, I'm just trying to stop sharing here for a second. Because we know that the Torah is always playing with repetition. That's one of the, in this class, that's one of the major um, tools that we use to study the Torah is to see its, its, its repetition, its playing, its pattern building with words. That works throughout the Torah. That's one of the reasons we might think of it as a poem. So let, now that we're in a poem, let's pay attention to the words that might be evoked. And I think they're pretty glaring. Let's just look at the first line here. Give ear, O heavens, let me speak. Let the earth hear the words I utter. Now, if the, this is a, a, a poem in the Torah, what, when, when, we, when we evoke the images of heaven and earth, what do we think of immediately? When we evoke the images of heaven, where in the Torah might we go? I'm not even gonna call on you because I mean, if we've ever been through the Torah and we hear heaven and earth, what do you mean? That's the first line. That's the first line of the Torah. So it's like, oh, is the poet evoking something? Yes, the poet is evoking the very first line in the Torah. Let's take a look. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hashamayim v'haaretz. And here it is again. Hashamayim ha'aretz. Okay, so the first line of Moses' great final poem has heavens and earth. And the first line of the Torah has heavens and earth. And that should be enough enough to signal to you that uh, we're, something's immediately happening here. We are tethering ourselves back to the beginning, okay? That somehow this poem is starting at least stylistically, but probably um, style is to serve um, meaning. And we're, there's something happening here. We're meant to be linked back to the beginning. And if that you know, if that didn't convince you, um, then we could even look at the the heavens and the earth. I mean, duh, you know, it, but, but we could even look at the other images there just in the opening lines. Okay, so heavens and earth, just like the heavens and the earth are created, and then the rain comes down and the dew is there and there are showers on young growth or, or grass, like droplets on the grass. Okay, now what happens after creation? Well, first of all, in creation, in the story of creation, and when the heavens, and again, the language, the story of, such is the story of heaven and earth when they were created. This is the second chapter, again, that language, heaven and earth. When the eternal God made heaven and earth, repeated again and again, and then when no shrub of the field was yet on the earth and no grasses of the field had yet sprouted, because the eternal God had not sent, rain upon the earth and there were no human beings to till the soil. Ah, so some sense that right after heaven and earth are created, there's a, there's a, there's a sprouting that's about to happen. The grasses are coming up, but they have not come up yet because the rains haven't come down. Okay. And Moses is saying, my speech is like the rain. My words are the rain. Watch as they come down and they bring the grasses, right? 
And notice also, just I just, and then and then we'll we'll open this conversation up. I just want to like show you how intricate this theme is already. Notice that we have the rain and the dew, and that rain is matar. The dew is soft water, the, the gentle water that appears in the morning. Matar is harder water, real rain. When do we see harder water, real rain? The earth is sort of nourished by these these um, soft kind of steams that come up from the ground in, in the creation story, but then the rain comes and boy, does it come, right? That's the second reading of the Torah, uh, the, 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 the par Parshat Noah, the story of Noah, in which we read, this is probably my favorite line in the Torah. So I'm just gonna read it because I just, I just, I just love this line. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky broke open. I just love that line. Okay. And the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, so again, just like, just see how that, Bereshit, the be in the beginning, heaven and earth, and there and then there's dew and rain, and 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 Moshe is speaking about speaking about a poem, but he's clearly taking us right back to the beginning, clearly, okay. So, all right, let's let's start there. Why 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 might Moses right now be kicking up Bereshit? Let's start with Alexander. Hi. Um, I think it's interesting that what you said earlier about what he's about to say is so harsh and it feels so punitive and, and angry and hard to hear. And I think he's giving us the warning that, yes, yes, this is going to be some tough love. This is hard rain coming down on young growth, which is very, it bends the grass. It, it, and like it's hard for a young plant to be rained on that hard, but what it does is it strengthens the plant. And when it rains here in LA, I mean, I don't enjoy it, but I'm so grateful for it. And it's more dangerous to drive and maybe the roof leaks and maybe things get messed up and maybe my plant gets a little bit damaged, but it strengthens my plant. It, it's, it cleans us out, it cleans the city and we need it. And so I think Moshe is saying, Yes, Hazina is going to be some tough love. Get ready. This is tough love. You're going to be disturbed, but it's good for you. Take your medicine. And we all sometimes could use tough love, and maybe we would all do better if, if we had more of that. I certainly would. Great, great. Okay, so Alexandra, um, I, think, I think often is, a, is an incredibly generous reader when she comes to the Torah. Alexandra's often looking for a way to read the Torah generously and even to read Moshe and the characters and the messaging of the Torah generously such that, I, you know, as I signaled, Hazina's about to have some rough stuff in it. And it does, as, as, I, as I said, feel like a, like, a, like a downer. But Alexandra says, let's, let's think about the sequencing here and, and read the Torah to, the, generously, that it's it's not just some raging at the end, but that there is some, as Alexander said, tough love coming your way, but it will, the, the world was created in chaos. The world was created in, in, a, in, a, in an explosion of light. 
So it's just, you know, like the world was recreated with water. It's hard sometimes, but listen to my words. Therefore, you're good, right? And that's the, that's, so that generous reading is something that I think is very important for us to keep in mind because the tradition tends to read generously also. Okay, so, so good. So that's, that's, that's one approach. Um, let's hear from some, from some others. What, what might be going on here as we evoke the, the beginning? Noah, Pollock? Noah, yeah, you, well, yeah. I'm, I'm curious what, what you have to say because we just evoked your, your Parsha. Yeah, for me, it's evoking a lot of the images of Passover time with the spring, with the rains and the heavens and the dew, and also a short verse from the last chapter of Job, because it's saying here first, here, oh heavens, from the ear that Job's saying that he could first hear but couldn't see. So now Moses is letting us hear and then evoking images where we can see things growing like the rain, the dew, the grass, and other necessities of life. Rabbi, you're, you're muted. Oh, sorry, I have a lot of mowing outside, so I keep muting myself. Um, okay, great. Okay, that's good. Let, let's keep going down the row. Uh, Marlene. I think there's also a simple parallel between the fact that the world was unformed and needed the rain to be able to become the earth and the world and the, and remembering that the people are getting ready to cross and so they really have to become who they're going to be and the rain and and the dew is is a way of saying we're going to take care of you we're going to water you we're going to nourish you as you go through this cataclysmic crossing into the land good okay good so my my water the thing that that gives the earth life right? You're in the desert right now. You're still in the desert. You will, you will be nourished. Soon you will be nourished. The, you, will, you will be nourished in the land that you're going to. You will cross through water to get there. A new time is coming, and that new time is, is, is different from the, the arid desert, okay? There's something, something, something uh, more, more nourishing coming. Uh, and Ariella. <clears throat> well, also, if this is Moses's last speech, a lot of times it's reflecting back. You can, as you age, you kind of reflect back. And just that reflecting back to the beginning. Ah, good, okay. And and, and thank you for, for naming in some ways the, the most, striking symbol here or the most the most immediate symbol here which is that we're going back to the beginning right and so we're we're evoking now as we come to the end where, where we started from and all that took us to this point we're coming to the end and so in order to come to the end we have to retrace everything every this whole story this whole book to go back to the beginning and think as as Moshe begins to speak the whole book, remember, of Deuteronomy was a retelling of the Torah. So now imagine that Hazinu is a, po a poem which, re like, which, which goes back once again. You know, you can see little um, repetitions encased in the Torah. There's the Torah and it moves through. 
And then Deuteronomy sort of starts us up again, right? Just in one book. And then the end of Deuteronomy just starts us again in one poem, giving us a kind of a, a view or a, right? Okay, good. Um, okay, let's, before we go any further now, uh, th this theme has been set, what, what, it, what it means, um, we've heard a lot of good uh, interpretations of, and we can continue to think about what it means to go back to the beginning. Um, but now that we're thinking about going back to the beginning in order to sort of rethink our, journey, our whole journey through the Torah, now I want to take a look at a few other lines in Parshat Hazinu. And these lines, I truly, these, now this is, this is really beautiful. I mean, not that the other stuff wasn't, but this is maybe my my favorite section in Hazinu. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, verses seven through thirteen. Okay, so let's let's take a look here. Um, and I want to just say, at a certain point, I started using. I usually I use a kind of. I try not to gender God. I just think it gets confusing. Um, since God doesn't have a gender, but um, or, or has many, but uh, but I, I used the, the the default Hebrew he here because it just works in the poetry and it is poetry. So it so I just I, I want to since it is an, obviously a poetic metaphor. I'm just I'm, I, I at a certain point use that when it worked better. So just just want to name that. Okay, um, Deuteronomy chapter thirty two verse seven. Okay. Um, remember the days of old, Zechor Yemot Olam. Consider the years of ages past, Binu Shnot Dor Vador. Ask your parents who will inform you, Sha'ala Vicha V'yagedcha, the elders who will tell you, Skenecha V'yomrulach. When the Most High gave the nations their places, V'anchel Yon Goyim, and set the divisions of humanity, V'afrido B'nei Adam, God fixed the boundaries of people, Yatsev Gvul Amim, in relation to Israel's numbers, Lemispar Bnei Israel. For the eternal's portion is this people, Kichelek Hashem Amo, Jacob, God's own allotment, Yaakov Chevel Nachlato. And then here it really, and I want, I want you paying attention now because the imagery we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna dive into, but here it gets really gorgeous. He found them in a desert land. In an empty, howling west. He engirded them, watched over them. Guarded them like as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle who rouses its nestlings, Kanesher Yair Kino, gliding down to its young, Algozalav Yirachef. So did he spread his wings and take them, Yifros Kanafav Yikachehu, bear them along on pinions, Yisaehu Al Evraso. The Eternal alone did guide them. Adonai Badad Yanchenu, no alien God alongside. Ve'ain imo el nechar. He set them atop the heights of the earth. Yarkivehu albama se aretz to feast on the bounty of the fields. Vayochal tnuvot sadai 
nursing them with honey from the boulder. And oil from the jagged rock. Okay, I should have practiced that beforehand, but you know, I want to give you some of the, uh, the feeling of that. Okay, so you, this language, I just, I mean, some of this, I just, the imagery here, he found them there in a desert land, in an empty, howling waste. Okay. And, and, the, and, the, and the eagle, the eagle who rouses its nestlings and glides on it, picked them up and took them along and, and, and took them on eagle's wings. Now, surely there too, we can recognize some uh, images that we've seen before, right? Surely. Does anyone want to name them? Or should I just do it? Anyone want to like, ding, I got it. Well, what do we see here? What do we see here? Want to hear some new folks? Okay, all right, all right. Nobody wants to, uh, no will do it for us, but uh, uh, here, okay, so the images that we see are the, the desert, the desert, right? Surely that, I mean, that image so beautifully and, and centrally placed in, in this is also a reference. He found them in a desert land. Midbar. Midbar, what do you mean? That was the name of the last book, Bamidbar. That's it. That's where the whole Torah has been. We started at the beginning and we, and we started to get into the beginning, you know, so the world was created and then the rains come down, the world is recreated. And now we're in the desert. Now we're in the desert. But wait a minute, what's missing? What's missing? In, in the desert, that's, that's already the, the later part of the story. What, 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 what don't we have yet? Well, the Exodus, the Exodus. But we see images here also that evoke the Exodus. Do you remember the line in the Torah about um, God, um, bringing you on eagle's wings? Like an eagle who rouses, this eagle, that doesn't just pop up in the Torah all the time. It's not just like there, there are eagles everywhere. There's an eagle here, and there's an eagle in Exodus when God says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to me. Okay? I mean, you know, again, like, are you convinced? It's, it's, are you convinced? It's so, like, the images are, so, we're being cycled through the entire Torah, the entire Torah. Okay, so now we have the desert, we have, we have the Exodus. Okay, now we're, we're moving forward. Uh, first, want to ask, what else did you see? What else did you see in there that might be continuing in this theme of reviewing the Torah, of recalling the Torah, of, of recounting where we've been, of connecting the, what else did you see in there? So um, uh, Leah, I, I don't know if you wanna answer this or if, you, if this is a good time. Yeah, this is a good time. For me, um, it's, what is key is the word view because there's a line about um, God fix the boundaries. I see God and um, Moshe here as the cinematographers that bring us into the eye, into the pupil of the eye. We are like almost, we're ophthalmologically microscopic. And then next shot, long shot, we got the helicopter and we're the eagle flying overhead. So. Before the movie camera was invented, we are brought everywhere, in, out, close, far, 
it's so exciting. Um, so it's riveting. It really, what you're saying is riveting. I mean, that is so, that's such an incredible image to give us. That is such a, an incredible uh, idea that the Torah, you're right, that the Torah often, many of the great events are taking place because there's some notion that, that God is watching down from the heavens, right? We're down here. This is, you know, this is like maybe the central metaphor of the Torah, heavens and earth, heavens and earth. And God is, somehow they're related. Even though they seem like two separate realms, somehow they're related. And God is, has an eye, we have an eye like this, and God has an eye that comes down and sees what's happening to us in Egypt and saw what was happening in, in, in Stom Ramora. Right? Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's that. Oh, I have seen what has saw what happened in the days of Noah. Right? Saw what happened in the garden. So we're like Moshe is evoking the, the divine eye, right? Like looking down. What does God see down here? And by the way, may I say um, that as 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 Leah um references the um di the divide divisions of humanity and the 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 boundaries of peoples. When the Most High gave the nations their places, what reference is that? What reference is that? I, I mean, I feel quite sure that that's the Tower of Babel. I feel quite sure. That's why it was called Babel, because the, there the Eternal confounded Balal, the speech of the whole earth, and from there the Eternal scattered them over the face of the whole earth. That's the, it's called an etiology, you know, like they, they say, it's like, how do you account for the fact that there are all these people all, the, all over the world that are so different? Oh, this story accounts for that because God spread the peoples. God established those boundaries. There's some idea that like God placed people all over the world. That's part of our, that's also, you know, going back to the beginning, just one thing after another here, right? We're almost like rebuilding the whole Torah. Right? Take a look at the language of the Zohar here that I think is 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 also reading poetically, mystically. Re remember the days of old, it says, Zachoria Motolam. But the word for the days of old is really the days of the world. Yamot Olam. So Rabbi Abba says in the Zohar, the great mystical text of, of Judaism, Rabbi Abba said, what are the days of the world? These are the six days in which the Holy Blessed One made the world. Right? So, he's, so, so Rabbi Abba's reading it the same way. Right. So remember the days of old, consider the years of ages past, all of this, even the, the setting, the divisions of humanity and thinking of Israel and um, and discovering us. The, of course, it's meant to evoke um, the desert because even our salvation from Egypt was there embedded in creation from the start. Everything was there. Everything was there. It was all in potential there. And you imagine like the way a big bang works, not to say that the Torah is science, but just sort of one of the images we have of, of creation coming into being is that it was actually all there in that first, right? So this is a poetic version of that. Like we were always, we, God discovered us from the moment, from the start. God said, let there be light. We were the light, right? Ooh. I'm feeling good. <laughs> That's great. Um, let's see. Uh, 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 Matt, Matt Silverstein. I, I was thinking through all of this more of Abraham and Jacob and such, and in part because they're not just in the desert, but they're in a void. Though the world that they live in doesn't have details, doesn't have 
it only has the, some tiny little things you know that required specifically for the story but they live in an empty space mm -hmm. they are wandering around in an empty space it is desert and void and chaos and i just i think of the akida where they where they walk for three days with no description and they walk for three days not what they saw beautiful 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 matt thank you hey, matt. Uh, kate and kate Beautiful point. Um, yeah. Kate's all, Kate, Kate also thinks it's beautiful. <laughs> These two, such uh, such such sweet lovebirds. Um, but yes, beautiful point, Matt. And um, and that's right. The the desert image, and the, if if the desert is is finding us in the midst of chaos, well, that's all over the Torah. Finding us in the midst. Of, that is maybe why the Torah is using again and again the image of the desert that Abraham wandered through, that Jacob wandered through, the arid lands of the Middle East, right? That's the setting for this revelatory experience where we find God, but God finds us there. God finds us by, by delivering us salvation, a message. Something comes down from the heavens just like Moses's words drip, drip down from like rain, right? Like there's a, there's a kind of, and, and Moses, and when nourishes us and nourishes us, right? As Alexander said at the start and nourishes us. And we're going to be nourished here with these, with the words of Torah, with the words of Torah, we will be nourished, but we needed those words. We needed, Le Abraham needed Lech Lecha, right? And and we also needed let there be light to come into being, right? We needed nase adam, let's make the human being. We needed those words and then we come into being, right? They're, they're out of the void again and again. And then Egypt is another chaos and void. And aren't they in another one right now? Okay, okay, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Um, let's see, uh, Al I see Alex has, has a thought that's connected. Well, perhaps it's, uh just my post Yom Kippur delirium, but I'm, I'm feeling rabbinically playful. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe this is referring to creation when we talk about uh, uh, chaos and wilderness. I wonder if instead of midbar, we want to look at it uh, midavar, uh, from chaos and words, because that's how creation comes into being. Um, so perhaps it's not, we shouldn't be reading it uh, plainly as, uh, as the desert or as the wilderness. Um, but instead, as as this combination between chaos and words is when uh, is when God found us. Good, good, good. I will I will that that is very playful, very midrashic. I will accept that. <laughs> like I think that is a legitimate wild interpretation uh, because we're in the realm of poetry. But because it's pretty clear, it's got to be when you have one book of the Torah called Bami Bar in the desert and another book of the Torah called Devarim words. <laughs> It's pretty clear that the Torah means to play on the similarity between um, the word for desert and the word for speech. And that's true too, that sort of our, our journey is through the Torah, right? The people of Israel journey through the desert and we journey through the words of the Torah with them. Their desert is our words, right? So that's right. And we are, and we, we find God in the Torah and God finds us in the Torah, right? 
Okay, this is good. We are we're doing a good job of coming down to the end of the year here. Let's see if we can um, get a couple of more thoughts in. Joel, are you uh, are you uh, please? I'm I'm curious what you're thinking. Okay, so I wanted to uh, go back to verse eight of the parsha. It's when the Most High gave the nations their places and mm -hmm. set the divisions of humanity. God fixed the boundaries of peoples in relation to Israel's numbers. And I'm just wondering if there's something about Moses's character or thoughts that slips through because God has fixed boundaries for him. Mm -hmm. He is not going into the new land. Right. So, I mean, Moses can say what he wants to say, and it's very poetic and all that. And mm -hmm. then it's tough love and all that, but mm -hmm. kind of like slipping through or dripping through or something like that is Moses's um, not displeasure, but unhappiness that divisions and boundaries have been set. And he will not be participating in all the stuff that he's prepared the people of Israel to experience entering the land. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I, I just at the end there, I would wonder what is Moses disappointed in in boundaries, or you're you're also talking about the the boundaries of his own life, and is he evoking that? But I, yeah, I'm I, glad to use the word disappointed. That was the one I was trying to. Uh, to come to disappointed. Is, right. Okay. So is he disappointed? Is he expressing some of his own disappointment? I mean, I, I it's hard, like there, I, I'm, I do, I do, I do get the sense that there's something about um, Moshe here that we look at the next line for the eternals portion is this people, Jacob, God's own allotment. And, you know, one of the, the theme that you're pointing us to, I'm not sure, seems like in, in a way he's celebrating that distinction, but whether he's celebrating it or, 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 conflicted about it or disappointed in some of the boundaries, distinctions, separations um, between peoples. Uh, it's certainly there. And that I, that's a good thing to name as we come to the close here, that we've been speaking, it's been very easy for us to speak in, in, in universally, in kind of like vast terms. I mean, you, the universe of the Torah, but still like the grand creation you know, our place in the cosmos and our place in the whole of history and our place in being. But that's the universal framework. But there's also a particularistic framework throughout, right? Moses is saying, oh, here's all of this wonder and creation. You were found within it. And then you were found and designated as a special people as all of the nations were kind of placed in their place. And there's like some sense of but we're all part of one, one, one origin story. And then there's some other message that's being articulated along the way that uh, actually, you know, some, some, um, some, some people are, are here and some people are here and some people have this destiny and some people have this destiny. And, you know, we all, we have actually all landed in history in different places. And the message after all here is to the, to the Israelites. What's your place? What will you do? What is your responsibility? And, he, and, and then soon enough, we get to the to, to kind of a rebuke because it's, it's a message to them. Um, okay, I think we're actually out of time. I, I wish I could call in more folks, but I do want to say 
uh, one last thing, maybe the obvious thing, which is that, uh, love you, mom. Um, maybe the obvious thing, which is that, uh, you know, this callback to the beginning of the Torah here at the end of the Torah is exactly what we do when we arrive uh, to the end of the Torah in this tradition, right? Like on the same holiday, we read the end of the Torah and then we start right away in the beginning. The end takes us back to the beginning in, in all kinds of ways, in sort of like basic human ways, like at the end of our lives, we're thinking about the whole of our lives, the beginning of our lives. But in this tradition, the journey, it goes all the way through and it starts over again and cycles through again. So we do the journey again. And it's a different journey every time. It's, we are moving forward, but we're moving forward and around and around, right? Again and again, we cycle through this story again and again, and we get to the end. Of course, we rush right back to the beginning. So um, with that in mind, uh, I am so, I feel so grateful to be with you on this uh, journey, to have been with you through this whole year on this journey. And please, God, uh, unlike Moses, I get to cross over this new year with you. So if Yom Kippur shows anything, I seem to have. And so, um, so we'll start over again soon. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discussed there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week. <laughs>